the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today, the views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Taking a look at focusing on wealth. I'm Rob Black. Going to talk to an expert this hour, Joe Doe from the street. Talking a little bit about China. You might remember that we've had this big conversation recently about their economy becoming better than our economy bigger. And as long as you've been alive, the U.S. has been the, you know, global economic powerhouse of the world. That's about to change. Every now and then I want to go back and forth and top stories of the day versus, you know, ideas that will help you become a better investor, a better saver, a more responsible person on setting up goals and and challenges in your life that you can meet. One of the things I like to talk about is I like talking to younger people and or I like talking to older people about what younger people should be thinking about. Because I think it, it gives you a reflection of your society. I am very, very concerned about housing 15 years from now. Because we've basically created a generation of 20-somethings that can't afford housing and or they've seen housing implode. They're very jaded. That doesn't mean they'll be jaded forever. You fall in love, you make a baby, you want a house. Maybe they're just waiting to fall in love and make a baby. I mean, I can see stories from like Rolling Stone about the love life of a typical 20-something and it would just, you'd be like, I did not know that. A little bit different than where you and I grew up at. So, 17 hard truths that I like to talk about for college graduates. A diploma doesn't guarantee anything. It doesn't guarantee a job. It doesn't uh, guarantee an internship or a career. It's basically a passport that says that you got through the jungle. 
And now, here I am. So, here you are is a world where may the best man or woman win. It's not, you know, your degree is going to help you somewhat, for sure. You know, if you've got a Bachelor of Science, a Bachelor of Arts, somewhat. But again, it's going to be the best man or best woman who wins. To an employer, you look like every other recent grad who suddenly needs a full-time job. So your passport basically is like, it shows that you're hungry. They have the power, not you. You know, unless you have something that you can absolutely deliver, you are just one of many. Your college coursework, difficult as it was, will never compete with what the real world throws at you. You need skills as soon as possible. And one of the best things I think you could do is start doing internships while in college. I know a lot of people who are in media, and they're like, can I intern for you? Can I intern for you? I'm like, those are the people who are hungry. I like it. A personal blog about your skill sets is a lot better than a personal blog about your favorite beers. So... I met a young woman and her uh, boyfriend a couple weekends ago who, last couple years, they kind of hung out in South Africa or in Africa and kind of set up in working conditions and safaris. And now they've come back to America and they, they want to start their own, you know, tour company for Africa. What's interesting about it is when I Googled her name, she was easy on the eye. She was smart. She was savvy. She wanted more financial information. So I Googled her name, and oddly enough, she had written this great blog about her experiences in Africa. She'll do well. When you come out of college, some of the advice that I'd like to give you as a hard truth is that you should live frugally for a while. Average earnings for someone between the age of 21 and 24, it's about $17 an hour. Um... That's 8% lower than it was in 2007. So when you come out of college, you just finished four years of bloated, long-winded, 12-page college essays. The world wants brevity, not bloated, long-winded. Less is more. I personally love working a resume. Even though I haven't worked a resume in 20 years, I haven't needed to, but I still I see a lot of resumes. Resume needs to be one page in length, period. You don't have enough experience at age 21 to warrant two pages, much less three or four. Give employers the best one pager possible. They'll respect you for it. Right now in America, for someone who's a recently college graduate, there's three unemployed people for every job opening. You need to be creative. Your order of importance on your resume has to be relevant skills, internships, jobs, and then where you went to school. Stick educate shouldn't at the bottom and put skills at the top. That's the first place an employer looks. Your diploma is permission to admit to yourself how much you still have yet to learn. There's an astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson out there who said during the 2013 graduation at Rice University that you have your Diploma is permission to admit to yourself how much you still have yet to learn. A diploma doesn't, and again, trust me, my college diploma, I didn't show up to pick up. 
I wanted to get to the real world. Your first job, it probably won't be your forever job. So don't try to think of it as a perfect situation. Just try to get into it and start networking. Your first job is important. It's a stepping stone. But it's a stepping stone to something better. Google's HR person gave some tips on interviewing. And the best thing that you could do at an interview is say, here's the attribute I'm going to demonstrate. Here's the story demonstrating it. Here's how that story demonstrated that attribute. That's a tough one to you know, wrap your head around. But what you want to say at an interview is, here's the attribute I'm going to demonstrate. Here's the story demonstrating it. Here's the story demonstrated that attribute. Here's how it did. Communication is kind of key. <clears throat> um, when you meet someone, when you interview with someone, don't text them, don't tweet them, don't email them, pick up the phone and call them. That's how adults do it. To land a job, you don't need to live in one of the best cities for recent grads. You can create opportunity anywhere you set two feet on. Create opportunities. The phrase, create opportunity. You take decisions, but you create opportunities. You don't make a decision. You take a decision. You create opportunities. Don't wait for good fortune to fall into your lap. It, it, it doesn't tend to do that. Now, according to recent studies, unemployment for 18 to 29-year-olds is about 15.8%, more than double the general rate. If you want to stand out, go beyond. After a job interview, send a handwritten thank you note within 24 hours. Handwritten thank yous are so welcome. I speak to... I basically let a comedian come on my show every year and promote some of his shows at Christmas time. And he always sends me, Will Durst, always sends me the coolest handwritten notes on his personal stationery. I think that's kind of cool. So there's some lessons for recent college grads. Get on it. Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Economists are showing a lot of worry right now about the sagging rebound tied towards housing. It's worth watching. Keep in mind we had a cold winter. Keep in mind that we've had a weird rebound in housing tied towards professional investors jumping in. It's not necessarily affordable even though the low cost of money is out there, coming out of a recession, you had a lot of people who were worried about jobs and how the housing last acted. So it's a funky housing rebound, trust me. 
and funky. I'm like, hmm. Leading economists are voicing growing concern about the flagging U.S. housing recovery, raising doubts about a key pillar of economic growth. Something to watch. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. One of the things that upsets me, Chad, is that a lot of people get a lot of bad product, financial product. They accumulate it. They feel stuck with it. They feel comfortable being stuck with it. They don't make changes. Let's talk a little annuity rescue. Why do annuities need to be rescued? Well, a lot of people get sold annuities, um, especially, let's say, in their 40s and 50s as an asset accumulation tool, and it's not. It's, an a- it's really certain types of no-load annuities make sense for asset protection from a down market. The ones that have are no-load, underlying investments look like mutual funds. They're extremely low cost. There's not a commission involved. And they have a backup to the stock market that says, okay, we'll pay you 5% or more for life, no matter what the market does. That can be good for 20% of a portfolio, and usually it needs to be in a retirement account, not a taxable account. But what I see is that you get people in their 40s and 50s being sold by brokers and bankers variable annuities as a wealth accumulation tool. Yeah. Or you see somebody that's you know 75 or 80 years old with an annuity that they've purchased and they were you know, offered all these smoke and mirrors, and all of a sudden they're in this annuity. It's five years old, and it's paying them hardly anything. And give it's not co- doing what they need to do. Give me a couple bullet points why you don't like variable annuities sold to people in their 40s and 50s. Well, because you have what under, the underlying investment looks like mutual funds are called subaccounts. And so they say, well, you can invest in these things, and, and you can rebalance the portfolio, and there's no taxes due because they're tax-deferred. And the true part of that is the average investor asset locates the wrong way, and they lose 15% of the return each year in taxes. So they use this product as a tax deferral type of a product, and they make it sound like you're going to get a guaranteed rate of return on your principal, which you're not. What happens is your your principal will be affected by fees that are in the 2 to 2.5% two range. Yeah. So, so you're do, whatever you're, bells you're and doomed. whistles you get, yeah. you, you're losing in the form of high fees for the rest of your life. You're doomed to underperformance and high fees. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's you're you're it's dooming. It will cost your family a lot more than the benefits that you're being sold. Right. Um, so you've got to get out of that. You have got to figure out a way to asset locate the right way and cut those fees out of the picture, so more f- money actually stays in your pocket. They they're sold based on fear, but if you look at the balanced portfolio, even from 2007 to where we are today, it's still averaged a great rate of return as long as you've had a balanced portfolio and you weren't just in stocks or just in financials. Um, so those high fees aren't going to get you anywhere when you're in your 40s and 50s. It might make sense if you're 65 years old and you have you know maybe 10 to 20 percent of your portfolio and something like that, but it's it's not. And or if you get somebody selling an annuity to somebody that's 75 years old and it's a 10 year lockup period, criminal. And then at the end of the 10 years they're getting one or two percent. And so now they're kind of stuck in this thing. They say, well, I've got all this tax-deferred buildup. Now what do I do? So you can still rescue that annuity. You can do what's called a tax-free 1035 exchange into a better type of annuity, or if it's an IRA, back into a regular type of an IRA account. What's an example of a better type of annuity? Well, so you got to find out what you want that annuity to do for you. So let's say you're 65 years old and you've been locked up into some terrible indexed annuity or fixed annuity, and now it's sitting there earning 2% because interest rates are so low. Well, you could 1035 exchange into a no-load variable annuity where there's no back-end surrender charges, so if you decide you want to get out in two years or a year, you can. 
And inside the investment, there's other types of investments that look like, you know, mutual funds that from places like Vanguard and PIMCO and everything else. But no matter what the market does, it'll give you that income that you need of 5% or more for life. Are the fees still higher than a balanced portfolio? Yeah. But you're buying this as part of your kind of hedged income piece of your portfolio. Um, so you can, you can 1035 exchange tax-free into that. But don't 1035 into a portfolio. Not another bad product that ties your money up for 10 years. That if it's too complicated to understand or if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You know, I got into the business at 19 with my grandfather, sold annuities and mutual funds at banks for years and years before fee-based planning was around. So I know these products inside and out. And there's only one fixed annuity I like. There's only one indexed annuity I like and only two no-load variable annuities I like. The rest of the annuities on the market out there, in my opinion, are garbage. Okay. So it's unfortunately one of the fastest growing sold products because they, they offer these these they offer these guarantees that sound so good, you know, six and seven percent. Like you can walk away with a guaranteed six or seven percent return and get a check for that in ten years. You can't. It's kind of smoke and mirrors. What hurts me the most are the slimy people that sell them actually believe that they think they're good products. Yeah, and sometimes it's not their fault. It's usually they've come out of some other industry and they get pushed through a training process where they're kind of brainwashed into believing it. And I kind of like, you know, when I look to hire certified financial planners, yeah. usually it's people that spend four or five years in that type of industry, and then they go get their CFP, and they realize what's right. Yeah. And they know what's right going forward. But they still have a clear understanding of what's wrong with those products that are out there. And that actually makes them a better advisor in the long run. That's CFP Chad Birkin. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So coming up, I'm going to be speaking with Joe Doe from thestreet.com, talking a little bit about what's going on in China. Um, are we to believe what we're hearing or not? On top of it, what's it really mean to you and me? Anyway, um, millennials. They're a big focus on my show. Millennials, Generation X, Baby Boomers, we're all very different on where we are and how we approach retirement. When we think of financial security, the prospect of a home is typically top on mind, but for millennials, not so much. There's stories recently out about you know flood levels in 100 years. And what if you own a house in Miami and it's 10 feet underwater kind of thought? There's a shift now from 2011 when 47% prioritized retirement and 17% focused on home ownership now just 13% focus on home ownership for respondents to this survey from age 18 to 34. Um, it's pretty notable. A few years back, everyone, everyone, well, 29% of people thought home ownership was tops for retirement. Now it's down to 13%. Be very cautious how you approach home ownership. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Rob Black has a financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial.
One of my favorite segments of the week is when I get to talk to a reporter from Street or Main Street or one of the various properties, financial media site, thestreet.com. Joining me today, Joe Doe. Joe, he recently penned a piece talking about China. I think it was maybe earlier this week or late last week where we started getting some data out that it looks like China is going to become the super economic powerhouse of the world by the end of this year. Now, you started studying that. What, what did you come up with? Well, last week, uh, the IMF came out and reported that China would surpass the United States in purchasing power parity earlier than expected in 2014. So purchasing power parity, in other words, means how far one Chinese yuan, uh, you know, the single currency of, of China, will go. Uh, and and um, what it found was that uh, soon enough, one Chinese yuan in China will go further to purchase goods and services than one U.S. dollar will in the United States. So it's one form of determining uh, economic power by a country. But one of the things that I, you know, I, I spent earlier this week some time talking to three different uh, experts. Um, one who is a senior fellow at a uh, at a group over in, in Europe uh, who's a former Financial Times reporter, one who is a uh, political economy professor over at the Woodrow Wilson School at Princeton University, and then I spoke to um, a law professor who also was a former uh, academic coordinator at the World Trade Organization. And, you know, a few of the big things that they point out that all of them kind of came up with first was that this is not in terms of GDP. So the United States GDP is about $16.24 billion annually, whereas China right. is still just at $8.23 billion. So when people think of economic strength, they usually are thinking of GDP and not in terms of PPP. So when they were reading the headlines, oh, well, China is surpassing the U.S. in PPP, they're not getting the full story. I mean, China surpassed Japan over a decade ago in PPP, but it only surpassed Japan in total GDP, you know, three or four years ago. So, um, you know, and, and when you start looking at the GDP rankings, you know, the U.S. per capita, so per person, you know, earns about $51,700 per capita. That makes us 12th in the world. China is at a lowly $6,091. million. It's $6 which ranks at 90th in the world. Um, so those are, those are just kind of the headline numbers to put things into perspective. Uh, you know that that really when you hear, oh, okay, well, trying to surpass the U.S. and PPP, it it does matter. It does matter. Um, but at the same time, it, it does underplay how most people typically consider, um, you know, economic strength. Now, is it important that we? are the economic superpower of the world? Is it important when China becomes the economic superpower of the world? It's, it's important whoever – it's important right now that China is a massive player in, in the global economy. I, you know, to, to say that you know, just because the PPP is, is only one way of determining economic strength is not to discount the major importance of, of China as it 
you know, as it sits in the global economy. I mean, you know, there's a reason that we focus so heavily on things like earlier this week, the manufacturing number. We saw for the sixth straight month, month that Chinese manufacturing was in decline. It was a contracting sector because that has a direct effect on our economy, on the West, you know, in Western Europe. Um, so we do follow all these economic indicators because, you know, so goes China, so goes the rest of the world in, in, a, in a certain sense. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's not insignificant um, that, you know, that they are a huge player. And, and we shouldn't sit around and say, well, oh, well, okay, you know, it's all smoke and mirrors. No, it, it certainly isn't. But, um, but where the real discussion comes down to is, is innovation, right? So you'll see headlines like, oh, well, China produces more engineers than, you know, than the United States. Okay, great. Well, you know, there was a study by Duke University a few years ago that found that U.S. engineering uh, graduates were generally of a higher standard than those from China. And, and there was another study in the United Kingdom that found that they, in the United Kingdom alone, they have two and a half times more employable engineers than all of China. So, you know, you can tout uh, quantity, but it really is a qualitative discussion. I mean, China, again, also a big player in patents, but these most of these patents, two-thirds of these patents are considered something called like junk patents, right? Um, right. So whereas China in 2011 earned about a billion dollars in patent royalties for, ro for patents that it had created, it also shelled out $18 billion to foreign uh, Royal and foreign royalties to patents made outside of China. Okay, so that's a $17 billion deficit. The United States, in 2011, we posted an $82 billion surplus in the royalties we earned from patents here. So when you start like really breaking down these numbers, um, you, you discover that if anybody's sitting around worried that you know China is going to become you know China becoming this you know the quote unquote economic superpower, um, you know they're thinking of it in terms of that they suddenly hold the sway of you know that they're you know that they're the ones in control and that the the rest of the world kind of looks to them. It, it's 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 not the case, you know. Um, these the you know these different China experts were telling me, listen, it's not. It's not if, but when will China surpass us in, in GDP, in total GDP. But when that happens, the question will be, you know, are they innovating? Um, have they have they solved uh, you know major uh, you know political economy issues? How are they handling you know the middle income trap? Um, the, these are really the the much broader discussions that people should be having instead of you know sitting around and discussing you know these gaudy wonderful headlines that, oh, hey, guess what? You know, China just surpassed the U.S. and, and PPP. It, it does matter. It absolutely does. But um, just to say that and be done with the discussion misses uh, a much deeper uh, issue. Having never been to China, I assume that you and I are upper middle class, lower upper class, quality of life is good, bicycles, computers. What does the Chinese average person look like? Because my image is poor farmer or factory worker. Well, it depends. I mean, there's, you know, um, over a billion people there and, and you have a massive, you know, one of the, one of the big discussions or, or, you know, you know, more than a decade, one of the big discussions was the massive move of, of population from rural to urban, urban centers. And, and you know, one of the, and, and, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, this is something the UN has been talking about that, that you know, the majority of the world's population will be leaving in cities for the first time in the history of, you know, of mankind. Okay, um, 
but you know, in, in China, uh, okay, what do you do with all these people, right? Do you have jobs for them? Uh, they come from, you know, many of them coming from the countryside. What kind of skills do they have to offer? Um, you know, the, the average Chinese person, obviously, even in China, is living below their own poverty line. You know, you're, you're talking, I think it's something like 160 million people uh, living, you know, in in just in poverty, which is is an amazing number. Uh, it also, you know, there's massive um, ethnic uh, disparities. There, you know, there's more than uh, 50 different ethnicities living in China. Um, you know, you have the entire western part of China that is is not one discussion that we typically have, right? Um, when we're talking about China and the economy, we're talking Shanghai, Xi'an, Beijing, uh, and of course Hong Kong. But we're not talking about well, what's happening, say in you know, in, in parts of Tibet uh, uh, or, or, you know, in northwest parts of the country. I mean, um, the, the, and, and those are not the developed areas that we typically see in pictures of, you know, the high, you know, the skyscrapers and, uh, you know, the, the changing uh, dynamics. I mean, there's, there's certainly a middle class in China. And it, and it is, it is um, I mean, the improvements that the Chinese people have seen uh, in the past 30 years are incredible. I mean, this is, this is a party that very much does care about progress and understands that it faces massive hurdles that have to be figured out, right? Like how, how do we solve the, the poverty issue? How do we continue to expand uh, so as not to overheat, right? I mean, this is, this is, the, the Chinese Communist Party, you know, for people to think of them as the, you know, the, the Soviet, uh, you know, the, the, the Communist Party of the Soviet Union is, is unfair. It's, it's, it's not the same. This is an incredibly dynamic party uh, that understands it has big issues to, to answer to. I, you know, I mean, I do understand that most people think of it, oh, well, politically, you know, and they're, you know, the way that they treat social issues, you know, they, they ignore, you know, this and that. And that, that's absolutely true. There are, there's rampant corruption. There's, there's major problems. Um, but um, this is one that the, the, the party is very, is, is, is very uh, familiar with, understands, and, and, and people in the party, all of them, you know, not all of them, but they have, they disagree on a lot of different things. And um, how they approach the changes that need to happen over the next 10, 20, 30 years will really determine if in 2030 we're talking about a China in the same way we are today, or if we're talking about a China that it actually is competing against the major economic powers of today in terms of innovation, in terms of the type of people that they're putting out in higher education, and the type of companies that are actually competing on a grand scale globally, say like a Google uh, or you know, a Microsoft, instead of just one or two like Alibaba. Thanks very much. Joe Doe, I will send you a tweet later with a copy of this. You can find Joe Doe at thestreet.com. Thestreet.com, he covers the Fed, gold, politics. He covers China and much, much more. His recent article, it's a, I don't even know. We can't call it a four-pager anymore, but it's a long article, a uh, web article for sure. You can find it at thestreet.com. Settle down. China isn't overtaking U.S. economic power, and here's why. Just filled with knowledge. I will post that on robblack.com. I will post it at Facebook, Cron4RobBlack. I'll post it at Twitter, Rob Black Show. I'll also send it out to Joe himself. We'll take a break here. Be right back. Check, check, check it out. 
So I was just speaking to Joe Doe. Let me give you his Twitter handle. J-O-E-D-E-A-U-X. I always appreciate when he comes on. Smart guy. He runs through a story where I get to ask three questions in 12 minutes. And every minute of his content is that and better. So I really, really appreciate him coming on. With that said, um, CFP Chad Burton lets me sit in for him Thursdays from 1 to 2 on New Focus on Wealth. And I try to do an hour that's a little bit outside of my wheelhouse, so to speak. Um, I try to focus on wealth in a different manner. You know, I try to say, you know, how to get rich slowly or how not to become poor. Uh, Topics are a little bit different. You can get rich slowly if you're young. It'll take you 15 minutes of work per year. That's it. You'll outperform 90% of the financial professionals in the long run. It'll make you a millionaire over time. Here's how you do it. You save 15% of your salary at age 25 in a 401k plan. You put it into three different mutual funds, one a U.S. total stock market index fund, one in an international stock market fund, one a U.S. total bond market index fund. Over time, these three funds will grow at different rates, so once per year you'll adjust them, maybe twice a year. That's 15 minutes per year, assuming you've enrolled in some sort of automatic savings plan. If you can follow that recipe throughout your working career, you'll certainly beat most, 90% of the professional investors, many of them who you'll hear on radio and television, tell you that you can't beat them, and yet you do, because you're in indexes. Most young people believe that Social Security won't be there for them when they retire. This is a huge concern, and it should be. Social Security is going to go bankrupt at some point in time. We've heard this, right? It probably won't. We'll just tax people more. The issue is is that we know that Social Security is not going to rise as fast as the cost of living is going to rise. So saving 15% of your index in those three index funds seems easy. Doing it and being comfortable. For instance, I just recently got an email from a guy who was late in life saving. And uh, last couple of years he's done really well because he's done index funds. He's kept it simple. It's like, how do I protect it? How do I protect it? You don't. You can change your weightings into more utilities or defensive kind of areas. But you don't go in, go out. Show me one market timer worth a million dollars. Show me one market timer who turned $10,000 into $100,000 or $10,000 into a million dollars. I won't cut off my hand and flush it down the toilet, but let's put it this way. No one's ever come up to me and, and showed me proof that they could do it. So it's a hurdle. I know it is. If you're making $50,000 a year, saving 15%, $7,500 or $625 a month. But you don't need the newest iPhone. You don't need the most fashionable clothes, the fanciest car, the Cancun vacation. It's nice. Dos cervezas, por favor. So how can you save $625? Maybe get a roommate. If you've got a two-bedroom, one's an office and one's a bedroom. I know a friend of mine, she lives in a closet, a real big closet, but it's a closet. It's a studio apartment that somehow you're supposed to fit a bed, TV, living room. And the owner of the place basically said, I'll do a, a bed slash duvet kind of thing, TV, office in that main room. And there's a huge closet and you can have it. You know, looking in the mirror is your biggest enemy. 
a lot of people just aren't designed to manage long-term investments. We came from cavemen, and they had to live day by day. And saying that you need that money in 30 years, it's just not a great concept that we're comfortable with. But take a look, people. We're living from 75. There's a sign right now on the road that says one in three kids born today will make it to 100 plus. It scares the hell out of me, financially speaking. So as an investor, you've got to understand that there's a lot of people in the financial industry who are just monsters. Whether it's like an NBC show where they look like humans, but they're really monsters, they're just monsters. Because it's an industry that you can be highly compensated in for basically shucking bad advice. Be cautious. There's one guy that I know on radio that 20 years ago he did commodities. And then he did day trading. And then he talked, you know, I'm a better investor than you. And slowly he got into financial planning. But he runs commercials like, do you know what to do in a good market? Do you know what to do in a bad market? And he's just scaring you. He's just scaring you. I call that a monster. He's in the guise of someone who's trying to help you. But trust me, where you are now, he was at the beginning of his media career. So 15 minutes a year, and you'll make a million. And again, you want to do a 401k, 403b, 457, or a Roth IRA, whatever's available to you. 401k is the best idea. U.S. total stock market index, an international total stock market index, and a U.S. total bond market index. And if you want to kick out the bonds while you're younger, then I'm fine with that. I don't think this is a game that you have to, like, hit home runs in. I don't think it's a game that you have to have, you know, super conservative exposure, as long as you're exposing yourself to capitalism. If you were to buy, like, say, the Wilshire 5000 plus a good international fund, I think you're done. So I think you're done when you're younger. Again, does that mean that's... Uh, you know, hardcore advice that you should live by now. Um, 800, oh, got a new, new station. Oh, we moved buildings and our old 800 number doesn't work. Why that is, I don't know. And yet it is. So anyway, you can find me at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. If you need a financial planner, you can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. We'll take a break here. Again, you can find me at robblack.com. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Howdy, howdy, howdy. I'm a cowboy. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Some of the parts just not really adding up right now. Vladimir Putin sounding all... Nice with his reported overtures to de-escalate the tensions in Ukraine. Yet there's no flight from safety in the Treasury. And Ukraine still continues to be in the news. Fed Chair Janet Yellen, I guess they tell the JEC, the Joint Economic Committee, that she expects a somewhat faster pace of growth later this year, yet gold prices, which would seemingly be sensitive to faster growth, which would invite higher inflation, decline. See, that's kind of a mixed one, too, because faster growth probably means higher interest rates. Higher interest rates probably mean lower gold. But faster growth probably means inflation. Inflation means flight to you know, gold. Commodities move. Large clap blue chip stocks yesterday. They outperformed small cap stocks and growth stocks underperformed. So we're getting a mixed mag here, and it's uh, I'll be honest with you. It's not fun. Russell 2000 can't get above its 200-day moving average. S&P 500 holds its 50-day moving average. S&P 500, big winner. Um, Hyper-growth stocks and growth stocks, big losers. Tesla, the company that can turn hay into gold, reportedly, you know, what seemingly was a, a good quarter. Deliveries of 6,400 vehicles versus expectations of slightly less than that. They topped earnings expectations, but the absence of a blowout number or the true ability to turn hay into gold sent Tesla down eh, about 35% from its its high. So again, Amazon, these these momentum stocks when they turn, it can be kind of painful if you bought chasing performance. Um, initial jobless claims they hit 345,000 this morning, came back. Oh, actually, they hit 345,000 last reading. Now they came back down to about 319,000. So, again, some seasonal volatility, normal volatility. Cold weather, warm weather shifts. Continuing claims for the week dropped to 2.68 million. Now, what's interesting about that is that's a long time to be unemployed. To be unemployed and get unemployment benefits from the United States government. It's okay. You know, it dings you. A lot of people go through it. But to be long-time unemployed. So they don't even have a, a word for it. They, so they call it continuing claims. Which means you've been unemployed a long time. 2.68 million Americans. Now, to me, that's probably 2.68 million Americans who are falling even further behind in saving for their future. And... 
I, I know. I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about putting food in my baby's mouth, right? I get it. Anyhow, what else do you want to talk about today? Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in the news. How? Why the government wants to shut down these companies, I don't know. Because they're making a lot of money for the government. Fannie Mae reported that it earned $5.3 billion in the first quarter. Fannie will pay a dividend of $5.7 billion to the U.S. Treasury next month. With its previous payments now totaling about $121 billion plus dollars. They've more than fully repaid the $116 billion that it received from the taxpayers. So, big-time profit makers. Freddie Mac posted net income of $4 billion for the first quarter. I think what we don't want about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac is we don't want the bad years where they give loans to people and then the economy seizes up and people lose their jobs and people don't pay back their loans. But making standards tougher to get a loan have certainly helped them. Certainly helped them. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Anything? You can contact me, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Retail numbers for April bounced back. Retailers posted modestly higher sales in April as warmer weather and a late Easter holiday helped push shoppers into stores. Hippity, hoppity, hippity, hoppity, Easter's on its way. Yeah, so Easter actually has a play. Does it fall in April? Does it fall in May? It actually influences Wall Street. Weird, right? Only regional discounter. Fred's posted lower sales and missed estimates of the seven retailers tracked by the Reuters. Several industry watchers had forecast a pickup in spring shopping and amid pent-up demand following that harsh winter. We like to shop. We like new things. We like shiny objects. So, Gap had a good number. They're expected to report today after the closing bell. Ding, 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 ding. So, Zumier, big teen retailer, reported an 8.2% jump. That's interesting to note. Steinmart, they're an off-price retailer. Uh, their sales rose almost 9%. So, again, it's that whole... We want we want our goods, but not when it's cold. We, we want to stay inside. And again, I'm speaking for the East Coast. When I say that, ladies and gentlemen, Rob Black. Amazon's adding 15 cities to their Sunday delivery service because we want, we want, we want. Part of a new deal with the U.S. Postal Service in November to uh, add New York and L.A. ahead of the holiday rush. This is one of the many efforts Amazon's making to attract new customers, um, groceries included. So here's the cities that have been added. Let's see if yours is one of them, two Sunday deliveries. Indianapolis. If we add a drum roll sound effect, we play a drum roll sound effect, but we're too poor for a drum roll sound effect. We were born poor black children. That's what me and my brothers always say. We're actually lower middle class, but whatever. Uh, Indianapolis, Lexington, Louisville, Kentucky, New Orleans, Shreveport, Cincinnati, Columbus, Oklahoma City, Philadelphia, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio. Come on, we're not on it yet. Austin, Waco, and College Station. Uh, 
So Bay Area still not getting that Sunday delivery that I need, I need, I need, I want, I want, I want. Health insurers say no to marijuana coverage. <laughs> Good for the health insurers to draw a line. They can't figure out how to rip you off for that, so they basically go, okay, we're not going to do it. Patients who use medical marijuana for pain and other chronic symptoms can take an unwanted hit. Insurers don't cover the treatment, which costs as much as $1,000 a month. Once the drug of choice for hippies and rebellious teens, marijuana in recent years has gone a little more mainstream for its ability to boost the appetite, dull pain, and reduce seizures. So when my dad was dying of cancer, brutally, savagely, started in his lungs, went to his brain, went to other parts of his body as limps, limp nodes. He lost a lot of weight. Had he smoked a little dope and got the munchies, he probably would have, could have, he probably could have lingered a bit longer. With that said, the way cancer consumes you, it's, it's disgusting to watch. So I get the idea of trying to figure out you know, marijuana coverage. Oh, what do we got here? 800-516. Fortunately, I think most people can figure out a way to get marijuana without using the insurers. So the insurers could say no, but people with cancer could figure it out. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Pick up your email. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Money invested in more. Stocks are advancing as tech shares rebound from the big sell-off recently. Groupon and Twitter both climbing. Keurig and 21st Century, the film and TV company controlled by Fox's Rupert Murdoch, up 7%. Tesla down 5.5 plus percent, saying a tight battery supply continuing to restrain their growth. Investors are buying small caps and tech stocks that have greatly underperformed the last few months. That's what we're seeing out there, ladies and gentlemen. Elvis has left the building. Let's take a quick look at market numbers. I don't think I've done market numbers all day. Holy mackerel. Um, showing you what I think about market numbers. The S&P 500 is up 8. The Dow is up 69. The Nasdaq up 39. Joining me now... CFP Chad Burton talking all things financial. Building a financial base is a concept that we got to get started. We sometimes say, I got an extra $300 a month. I've got an extra $500 a month. How do I get started? Let's talk building a financial base. Yeah, it's it's the key. And this can happen. A lot of times it happens based on a life event where you kind of say, oh my gosh, I got to get serious. Whether it's you have kids, you've been laid off for a while, you win a small lottery Winning, you know, whatever it may be, you've really got to sit down and get educated first. Small lottery wedding. I, well, I had a friend that went through a really bad couple of years, and he contacted me. He's like, I've won the lottery. I have 80000 bucks, right? Okay, that's nice. What's the first thing he does, Rob? 
Buy his car. Exactly. And he goes, I realized how stupid that was. Caught the show online. And so now what do I do? And I gave him a couple of books to read. You've got a couple of books on your website. Um, you know, Rick Edelman's initial books, The Truth About Money, I think we're good. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, but New rules about money. Yeah, the truth about money I thought was better. Really, right? I think it gets more sales oriented as he as he published. But anyways, um, you got to first of all get your emergency reserves intact because a lot of times people end up in a situation, um, a bad financial situation that becomes a house of cards is because they get disil- disil- dis- disabled. If I can get that out, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> I might be disabled myself, um, or they lose a job for a period of time where. Three to six months, they're out of work, and they can't service their debt. They can't put food on the table. They build up credit cards. They ruin their credit, and they're, they they go from a situation that should only be bad three to six months to, I've ruined my credit for 10 years. Um, so have your emergency reserves intact, right? That's the first step. Second step is make sure you're putting enough money in your 401k to get the match. If you're eligible for a Roth, you take the next you know $5,000 that you can save, put it in a Roth IRA. If you can still save more money than that, Go into the 401k. As far as what you should invest in, in your 401k when you're first starting out, I like the retirement date funds for younger people. Like okay. the, you know, retire 2045, 2050. Funds. Vanguard has them. T. Rowe Price has them. Um, I like uh, T. Rowe Price and Vanguard's much better than Fidelity's. Really? Um, also, if you're trying to find what do I invest in my Roth IRA or my taxable account, I think the free ETFs, the iShares that you can buy at, TD Ameritrade, for example, you could, as long as you hold them for 30 days, you can buy them without a trading cost. So go for index. And why does TD Ameritrade do that? Fidelity does it as well. But why? Because the iShares give them a little bit of kickback. The internal fees are like point, you know, zero eight percent, and they get a little bit of that back. Um, so uh, making sure that you build up that first hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you can do that in index funds and ETFs, which are essentially index funds that trade like a stock. Then after that, you've got to get good at picking individual managed mutual funds. And so there's usually a long learning curve before you try to buy individual stocks. And by the time you get to 250000 that's when you make sure you have a group of trusted advisors. You've got a good CPA. You've got a good attorney. You've got a good fee-based financial planner. And make sure that everybody's working together. And just make sure you're in that phase of accumulating, appreciating assets or assets that give you income. Okay. Accumulating, appreciating assets or assets to give you income. Okay. That's, that's what you really have to focus on throughout your entire life. Stop focusing on depreciating assets like a car. I mean, you know, I buy, I like to drive nice cars, but I right. buy them used typically when they're off a two or three year lease because I can save twenty to $30,000. Right. So, um, you know, look, look at that and say, how am I paying myself first? If I'm, am I always saving before I spend any money? And how do I focus on accumulating appreciating assets? Okay, now appreciating assets, give me some examples. Uh, well, stocks, obviously, especially stocks that pay a dividend. So they're paying you something. I mean, there's no more comfortable way to retire, Rob, than if you retire with enough assets that you can, you don't even have to live off all the dividends from your stocks and the interest from your bonds. Some of it you spend and the other just gets reinvested. Right. Or when you buy real estate, make sure that, you know, it's a good deal if you uh, put you know, 20, 30% down, get a traditional 30-year fixed loan, and after your all of your expenses, property taxes, maintenance, property management fees, you still have positive income. That's not only a positive income asset, but it's something that somebody else is paying off for you. Real that's that's sure. the only good way to leverage is in real estate. But people over-leveraged without positive income in, in uh, you know, the last real estate bubble. 
So, you know, I mean, stocks, bonds, real estate, uh, commodities, those are appreciating assets. Okay. So accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. Anything else we need to know about building your financial base? Stop thinking that you deserve now what your parents already have. Okay. Okay, that's the biggest thing that kids have a problem with. They, they think that I, I'm out of college, I have a new job, I should be in the same house and drive the same car as my parents. That's yeah. the problem that is with our generation. I think the generation beneath us, Chad, a lot more frugal. You know, I think they are, and I think they, they, they're a lot more wise, and we really need to get a better way to educate our kids. Yeah. I had my uh, 12-year-old look at, um, you know, Buffett tried to do that site where he was a cartoon character. Did he? There's a website. That's um, horrible. And the first part of it says, Warren Buffett is my best friend. <laughs> There's a song about Warren Buffett being your best friend. And it was started in about 2010 and hasn't been updated since then. He thinks that they're just terrible. And our kids, I think, are hungry to learn about investments and money, and there's really no good outlet right now. Uh, I'm with you. That's CFP Chad Burton talking, building a financial base. You need to do it. I need to do it. We all need to do it. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. 43% of all 2014 home buyers pay cash. That's not a good story. Americans are still buying homes in all-cash deals despite more investors leaving the market. All-cash purchases account for about 43% of all sales of residential property, up from almost 38% the previous quarter and 19% in the first quarter of 2013. It's telling you that homes aren't affordable for people. It's a surprising thing for us that cash sales have stayed so high for so long. Uh, though, you know, the big hedge funds got in, we know that, into real estate. They've pulled out of the market a little bit, we know. The high percentage of cash sales reveals the soft underbelly of the housing recovery. People aren't qualifying to buy it. The people that are, are paying cash. How many people do you know that can pay cash for a house? Answer, not many. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial. You can find me online at robblack.com. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. of financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money invested in more, don't be shy, I do not bite, unless you want me to. Guy recently dropped me an email and he's talking about he needed a real estate attorney and he lives in the Bay Area and he's got a property in Alaska and he wants to sell the property and he wants to sell it to the property management person, 
but that person won't be able to come up with a down payment for a couple of years, so he wants to do $1,000 a month for two years. Then later on, she comes up with the down payment. He says, do you have a good real estate attorney? I'm like, yeah, but it's $450 an hour. You're probably a little bit better off. I'm assuming the house isn't worth that much um, in Alaska. So I get a little frustrated, and I think rightfully so, um, when people try to do something that I don't think is in their best interest. If you want to sell a property, sell a property. Don't start putting stipulations into it like, yeah, we're going to do $1,000 a month because this is a good person. I see people get into a lot of problems with that. A lot of problems. Just to note, you know, again, we don't have to beat this one to the, the pulpit. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about money investing in more. Um, Labor Department said that there were some pretty good jobs numbers. First time unemployment claims. Uh, we're poised for good growth coming down the road. So we're poised. Doesn't mean we get it. It means we're poised. Retailers posted modestly higher sales in April as warmer temperatures and the later Easter helped push shoppers into stores. Another positive. AMC Networks. Shows like The Walking Dead and Mad Men are continuing to provide a boost. Mad Men goes away at the end of this season. What will happen to Don Draper? Who cares? Long story short, we're waiting for The Walking Dead to come back in October. But what's AMC going to do after that? Is that TV show Turn about the revolution, is that any good? Is anyone watching that? I know that they've planned a Walking Dead spinoff. Probably will take place in another part of the country or something like that. Web shoppers, beware. FedEx is going to charge my package size. Dimensionally pricing is going to jolt e-commerce. FedEx is changing the way it charges to ship bulky packages. Jolting e-commerce companies with price increases for delivering items as diverse as diapers, shoes, and paper towels. Instead of charging by weight alone, all ground packages will now be priced according to size. In effort, that will mean a price increase on more than a third of its shipments. Um, saw a guy in UPS yesterday, and he was trying to ship a guitar across country. And she comes back with the cheapest, $135. Now, that would be like two weeks or something like that. They walk it across the country for you. $135. Now, I'm not knocking UPS or FedEx. I mean, this story tells you why you may be interested in investing in UPS or FedEx. $130. Now, you know, certainly if you're going to ship golf clubs, that's, you know, a different kind of lugging proposition for the workers. So I get it, but I don't like it. As a consumer, I don't like it at all. NBC Universal has clinched U.S. broadcast rights for the Olympic Games through 2032. 2032, where will I be? I could be dead, right? What's that, 17 years from now? 18 years from now? Holy mackerel. I'll have more gray hair. But it shows you that they're, they're locking it at a $7.6 billion deal. I, I think they're probably getting a pretty good deal based on the future. Rights include all media platforms, television, pay television, Internet, mobile devices. 
So, I don't know. People like their live events. I myself, I'm kind of over it. I'm over a lot of things. If you didn't get a chance to hear my show on last Friday, I did a hate show. Things that I hate and I just, I'm done with. Uh, Story out there today, and I don't know what to make of it, and I'm sorry, but two FCC commissioners disagree with proposed broadband regulations. The whole net neutrality issue. A lot of dot-com companies like Google are going to Congress and saying, you know, we think it's a, you know, we want Comcast not to have the ability to slow down, you know, a Netflix movie. Just because Comcast has, you know, movies that they want to pipe into your house faster. So there's going to be a little bit of pushback. Will it be enough? Comcast owns the pipes. In theory, it's like if you owned a, a farm and you had a racetrack on your farm, you should legally be allowed to go around that racetrack as fast as you want. You may die, but it's yours. It's on your land, your property. No one else is on it. Government shouldn't be able to regulate it. That's kind of the idea. Other stories of note, Tesla's lower today. Um, Tesla's a momentum stock based on the future. A lot like Solar City is. Oddly enough, they're both um, Elon Musk companies. Now, what's kind of interesting to note about this, and I'm only saying kind of interesting, is a lot of people love Tesla. The product's great. I think they have to watch out for BMW doing something similar, because they can. But Tesla stock's getting punished today. Did you like it at 200? Why don't you like it now? It's at 187. It's 52-week highs, 265. It's got $23 billion market cap. It could easily go to 50. It could probably easily go to 250. Um, it's trading at a Ford P of about 50. So now we're starting to get to some numbers where, like, okay, it's got a future earnings that we can base things on. So if it were to fall down to 140, I'd be interested. But mm, prudence is the better part of valor, and I don't I don't have to win. You know, it's I don't get a reward for taking risk. I get a reward for retiring. I know, I know. What kind of reward is that retirement really? Okay, you're probably right, right? Um. Five-fold pay surge. Ooh, what's this story? Since 2006 reveals Romania's tech boom. What? What? Romania? Oh, software investment streaming into Romania. It's increasing pay five times to roughly $2,800 a month. Companies like... IBM, Microsoft, Oracle, Intel, they've set up offices in Romania. It's a big tech hub. So if I had some coding skills and I couldn't get a job in the Bay Area, I'd find out where I could get some jobs. Um, And that's one of them. You know, one thought here is uh, go to where the work is. It was a movie, I don't even know when, 1950s, where the boys are. 
and the girls all basically like, let's go to where the boys are. And they, I guess they went to spring break or something surfing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I maybe made that last statement up. But if things aren't working out for you and you've got a skill, figure out where they are working. The rise in tech jobs in the EU's second poorest member is noteworthy. A lot of cybercrime. A lot of cybercrime. To the point that the U.S. Secret Service has set up a special office in in Bucharest. Let's not confuse Budapest with Bucharest. Or something else that has buca in it that I'm not allowed to say. And I don't even know what that means. So, interesting, right? Romania. I think that's where Dracula's from. I'm making stuff up now. Um, 800... 516-1220 Five one six twelve twenty to get your calls in the air. Eight hundred. No, that's not our number. Urgh. New station. Got to work my way off that one. So Tesla, I mentioned. Um, electric car. They made an electric car that's not ugly. It's very, very pretty. It's not slow. It's not a boring golf cart. Germany's BMW has potential to eat away at Tesla's fan base. So much that they said, you know, uh, Tesla's really focused on the Generation 3 vehicles at this point in time because BMW scheduled to unveil its plug-in hybrid i8 at an analyst event in Santa Monica later this week. I'm going to look at that, and that's going to be, you know, worthy of note. BMW has two electric offerings, the i3, a city car, and the i8, a sports car. The i3 is smaller in its range, and it's lower than Tesla's Model S but it'll appeal to the same type of driver as Tesla's do. Maybe a little less flashy. So, I've told you I'm going to get some sort of crazy car when I turn 50. I got years to go on that one, but I'm interested to see what BMW pulls off. Look, you can find me online, robblack.com. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. It's one way you can support the show is follow me on Twitter or follow me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. I do some four videos a week that I post, typically giving you some insights into how to invest or how to see things. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. There goes the last who plays when he wants to play and says what he wants to say hey 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 and there goes your freedom of choice there goes the last human voice thanks for listening to the show have anything exciting for you like 600 million dollar powerball i do have a lot of thoughts though about housing and most of them end with some sort of problematic angle you know whether you take a look at young people trying to get a house or young people being jaded by the housing market um it's a bit of a problem out there Keep in mind, we all 
those of us who own homes, we need someone to buy it from us if we're going to use it as a piggy bank. I was recently talking about Tahoe. And, uh, like, I have a house in the Bay Area that I never once sold. I want it kept in the family because I think houses in the Bay Area are few and far between in desired locations. Um, I was talking about Tahoe and Santa Barbara. And I love a really good realtor because you need your house to cash flow, the one that you're going to live in. It needs to make some sort of sense cash-wise. It can't eat up more than 40% of your paycheck. It should eat up 30% of your paycheck. Because keep in mind, you throw out another 10% in taxes at state level, 20% on a federal level, 10% on sales tax level. So if it's eating up 40 and you add those up, that's 80% of your money's gone. So I was talking about like the more luxury spots, and the agent said something just fantastic, and it's incredibly well-marketing. She said... Yeah, this market is like a Picasso. You pay a lot of money, and you enjoy it. And then 30, 40 years later, you sell it for a lot more money. You're not going to cash flow. I was looking into what property managers charge, and you know, I've got a couple properties around the country. And uh, I think like 8% is kind of the norm, 8 10% of the payment. Sometimes the first month up front for finding the person to get you get in there. Um, you get the idea. In Tahoe, it's twenty five thirty five percent of a property manager company. It ain't cheap, so get into the cash flow ain't going to be easy. But there's some interesting concepts like um, you probably want a garage, so if you're going to use it, you can lock some stuff up in it. Snowboards, snowsuits, things like that. So you don't have to pack up the car every time you come from the Bay Area to go to Tahoe. You probably want a hot tub. Hot tubs are more uh, marketable. You know, if I could be in Tahoe once a month, I would. Um, that's the type of place, that's the type of market that it is to me. It's not a four-month, you know. It's more about giving it to friends and family and, like, enjoying it. And created memories. I hope we all have something nice from our childhood where we created memories. I don't. So now when I see people who have boats and go out every weekend or people who ski every weekend with their kids, I'm like, I'm jealous of that. Like, I wish I had that as a kid. Right? Um, so look at real estate in different ways. A condo is more rentable in Tahoe than a house is. So if anyone owns a house in Tahoe or a rental in Tahoe, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. I have some questions that I'm, I'm trying to figure out to you know, help people with some of these luxury markets uh, that are still kind of affordable. Facebook, up a buck today. LinkedIn, up six bucks. Yelp, up two bucks. Uh, some of the tech stocks are coming back. Bank of England. I saw Prince William on, uh, in coach. Who knew? Who knew? Flying coach? Um, Bank of England and European Central Bank made no changes to their policy stances. Cheap money. Mo money, mo money, mo money. We're addicted to cheap money. Um, 
That's a good pull. Seeing that we're in a new station now, we don't have access to things like audio for a radio show. Okay, let's see if you can pull up the Ukrainian national anthem. Independence reference independence referendums are scheduled to take place in Donetsk and Lutsk on May eleventh, despite Putin's call to postpone the votes. That could be a problem. Strength today in consumer discretionary financials, healthcare, industrials, technology, materials, weakness in consumer staples, energy, and utilities. Tech heavy Nasdaq uh, kind of snapped back. Now, again, not all. Tesla's down 13 buckaroos today, down 6.8%. It's starting to look at a growth valuation. It's trading at 45 times next year's earnings. Still pretty high, but it's starting to look much more reasonable when it's getting some earnings put onto its balance sheet. Stuck, Tesla stuck in reverse. Wah, wah, wah. Whole Foods problems. You know what Whole Foods problem is? The number one problem? And I don't know if they're going to be able to shake this. Is that more and more people, more and more people, more and more people, more and more stores are offering what we don't even know what the term means, organic food. Just throwing it out there, Whole Foods. You're not the only game in town anymore. That's, that's going to hurt you. You're going to have to figure out, you know, another twist, another ankle. Child care costs are surging overall. Child care payments for families with employed mothers rose 50% from 2002 to 2011. A lot of Americans are stuck between a landlord and a mortgage broker, and they can't afford the broker. More of their income is being eaten up by rent, so they're saving less. Price of college is skyrocketing. That's very problematic for our culture. Anyhow, thanks for listening to the show. You can find me online at robblack.com. You can find me on Facebook, cron Rob Black, YouTube, Rob Black Show, and the good old Twitter, Rob Black Show. Support me that way. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.